Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to The Sound of London. This is Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe. Hey, baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sound. You ain't never seen the light before. Just a strong throw from your front door. It's first thing in the morning, I have been promised pork scratchings. I'm not sure how I feel about that this early. But even as I recounted that promise to you, my guest today is suggesting that perhaps I'm not going to get my pork scratchings. I feel shortchanged. This doesn't bode well. I'm with uh, with Vic Norman, who is the person who runs London Pub Tours. He's the founder of that business. And we're standing outside the Chancery Lane tube station. Good morning. Good morning, Quentin. Um, What's this about no pork scratchings? Well, had the pubs been open, and, and they're not open to 11, 12 o'clock today, um, I could certainly uh, rustle up an excellent bag of pork scratchings. Perhaps later on, yeah, the pubs might open a little bit early just for us, and I, and I will buy you a bag on the house. Sounds good to me. OK, well, we're going to be wandering around some of the pubs in the area. This is, I should say, the first of a two-parter, because we figured... There's so much history attached to London pubs. There are so many London pubs it's worth talking about that to try and squeeze them all into half an hour is a fool's errand. So what's the game plan? Where are we going to be visiting in this week's episode, Vic? Okay, so I said there were many London pubs, about 6,000 London pubs. How is anybody to know where the best ones are today? We are going to break my original tour, the Dragon and Flagon, up into two parts, I believe. And uh, there are six, six amazing pubs on this tour. So three in part one, three in part two. And which three have you selected or well, do you want to keep them as a pro do you want to keep them up your, yeah, up your yeah, sleeve kind of reveal them as we go as a kind of magical mystery tour as opposed to spoiling it for you and the listeners ahead of time okay let's get magical there <laughs> should we say a quick word about your business how long have you been in operation do you know what I, i'm calling it a business but, it's, but it's i don't think hobby. you see it like it's that lo- do you? no well it was i've always loved london i've always loved history and i've always loved pubs back when i was at college oh back in the mid 80s friends and I used to say wouldn't it be great to stay here and get paid for it and you know be careful what you wish for 
um, because 25 years later I make my make my living uh, from taking people to pubs. So it started as a hobby. Friend, a friend and I, same friend, I went to college with back in the 80s. So let's try and find the oldest London pub. And we took three years and we went to all kinds of pubs and found some amazing ones. And then friends would come down to London. They'd say, you know, some great pubs. Please take us some great pubs. And we would. And so a kind of rough tour was born. And then somebody asked me if I would run it run one of my tours to raise some money for a charity I thought well why not and they raised 400 pounds over two tours and at that point I thought hang on a minute perhaps people would pay me to take them to the pub and so I launched the business about four years ago and I had this tour the tour that we're going to do right now only this tour and I ran it once a month I now have eight different tours three times a week top of google and i don't advertise it's just it's just gone exponentially mad people seem to like it and come back for more and tell other people and it's wonderful there is one form of advertising that I'm conscious of because I feel we should uh, describe you to the listener. They may have in mind a pinstriped fellow with a brolly, you know, one of those smart, eccentric fellows who wanders around doing a tour in the city of Westminster. Yeah, that that ain't me, really. All right, so somebody paid me the ultimate compliment once. They said, we've been on loads of tours and every tour that we've been on, apart from yours, there's a clear distinction between the guide and the people being guided. And he said to me, with you, it feels like you're a mate taking us out uh, for a drink just you just so happen to know quite a bit more so i don't stand there with an umbrella i don't need an umbrella i've got bright red hair uh, that's all i need and yeah it's history comedy and port scratchings so i try and get involved i i love people so i chat to people along the way have a laugh and guide them sometimes it's a bit like nailing jelly to a wall herding herding kittens but it's always a fun evening and i try if as soon as it starts being fun i'm going to stop doing it well we're going to start moving i think to our first destination and as we go i want to know about the practicalities of herding a group of people who have enjoyed all that london has to offer in pint form whilst on the tour does that present particular problems it depends on the group so you're going to get people who say um we're having a stag night and i said let me stop you there i don't do stag nights i did one stag night never again you get people who are in for, in for the banter who, who are throwing stuff out at you and heckling and that's all part and parcel of it if you can kind of ride those punches and join in with everybody fine so i've never really had any trouble I've never really, I've left one person behind so I can't go on it's, it's only pub for me so I can't go on leave me here it was like, it's like a battle scene in, in Hollywood so we, we left him there and he found his way home but um, it, it's, gen, it's generally fine towards the end people are straggling and you've got to kind of chivvy them along really because you want to get to the end before last order so there are six pubs and, and on an evening tour we normally start around about 7pm so you can see we can get to the last pub 10, 10.30 and so it's kind of it, it is organised and you've got a certain amount of time in each pub um, but it's also quite loose but this is our first stop well uh, now you are pointing Vic at a um, uh, one of those dragons on a stone pillar or am I well okay so I stop here because most people tend to think of London as being a city it's not a city it's a mixture of two cities which maybe many Londoners do know but um, so you've got the city of Westminster which lies a couple of hundred metres west of where we're standing here at Chancery Lane and then you have the city of London of markets and money wherever you see a dragon or at least the corporation of the city of london will tell you they're not dragons but they are in fact griffins i disagree with them griffins are mythologically half lion and half eagle i'd say that was a dragon so dragons guard treasure in this case the financial district and so you've got the shield of the city of london across the st george short sword of st paul and across the road you've got staples inn one of my favorite buildings in london and the kind of the brand for um, old hoban tobacco back in the 1970s if you ever rolled your own in the 1970s and it's the 
the western edge, really, of the damage done by the Great Fire, which uh, you see McDonald's to the left here in the, kind of that horrible old kind of 1970s concrete building. And then you've got this beautiful timber frame building. Can we, can we just linger on that beautiful timber frame Shall building? Shall we? That is one of the most elegant buildings in all of London. In Staples Inn. That's Staples Inn. It's the last inn of Chancery left intact. So inns of Chancery, they were... They were medieval schools for teaching law. And now you've got ye olde Vodafone and um, various other businesses have taken up residence. But you can go through these little archways into into a tree-lined courtyard beyond, which is absolutely lovely. And you could be miles away from the city, but yet only metres away from this very busy road in High Hoban. So, what's the pub situation here? Well, the pub situation, we, we're going to enter into the city of London now, go to pub number one, which is a little bit up the way from here. Okay, so if you want to track our progress, we're now moving from Chancery Lane, obviously, into the city, as we just said. Due east. Due east. Due east. I just remember that I've got a duty to perform, which is a shout-out to Simon, the black cabbie, who brought me here. And he asked what I was up to, and I explained what this interview was about. And he listed quite a number of pubs of interest. And he's got a contender for the oldest pub in Ah, London and I'm keen to see whether this matches with yours what did Simon the all-knowing cabbie say was the oldest pub in London should I put it at a a distance for him just in case uh, he's right Uh, Simon's friend informed Simon that it was the prospect of Whitby unless he's correct in which case uh, Simon said it Prospect of Whitby is a wonderful pub and it is the oldest pub on the river but it's not the oldest pub in London well, that was definitely Simon's friend falling down there, I'm afraid. Well, a lot of people actually say it's a prospect to Whitby, but um, you go to Prospect Whitby, as I did for the very first time a few, well, about eight years, ten years ago, and I said to them, have we found the golden elixir? Have we found the uh, pot of gold at the end of Rainbow? Is this indeed the oldest pub in London? And the barman said, no, it's not. It's the oldest pub on the river. Which, which leaves us tantalisingly close to the uh, pot of gold. I... I figured that that question was coming. So the jury is still out, I'm afraid, Quentin, on this. Um, and there are lots of different criteria. It Has the pub had to have been in the same place with the same name and operating as a pub continuously since that time? Mm. Has the pub, the same pub, uh, moved to different premises? Has it been rebuilt? Did it change its name? Did it go out of business for 10 years and was a shoe shop? And so there were different criteria. But the clever money... The clever money. I could locate it and I could even point it out to you later on on tour. Ooh. We're not actually going in there today, um, but um, I will point it out to you. So you brought us to a halt outside a place? I have, because this is one of my stops. Ah, right, OK. So we're, uh, we're, what we're outside is a ten or so storey building uh, in a very modern, probably 1990s style. It looks like the sort of place that you would do an establishing shot of if you were in some sort of uh, uh, North American crime drama. This is the headquarters where the Secret Intelligence Service works from. What are we doing here? Um, It's a good description. It doesn't feature at all on the tour, but I stopped here (laughs) to talk about something else, which was to the back of you. Oh, a statue. Um, There we go. That's all right. So we're at Hoban Circus, and the reason I stopped here partly is to introduce pub number one. But also to say that this area, the, all, the whole area behind me, was up until recently a part of London that technically wasn't London. So it was owned, it's part of Cambridgeshire, so it's owned by the Bishops of Ely, a beautiful cathedral town in the centre of Cambridgeshire. Um, so after the Reformation, so this road here is Hatton Gardens, I should explain, centre of the UK diamond trade. There are a lot less diamonds now than they used to be after the heist. And London's jewellery quarter... Hatton Garden, named after Sir Christopher Hatton. Um, Queen Elizabeth I's favourite courtier. She gave the road to him. Um, after the Reformation, though, 
um, the bishops of Ely who owned it were forced to rent the land. Um, bishops of Ely owned all this, and it's, a, it's what was called an enclave. So a separate part of London, I suppose the city of London is a sep- is an enclave within the whole of what we call London because economically, politically, it has its own police force, it has its own government really. Uh, it's a separate place. And where we are now is also a separate place because it was Cambridgeshire. And uh, pub number one is in the middle of old Cambridgeshire. So like in when we used to watch things like the Dukes of Hazard or these American shows where cops couldn't cross the county line or the state line because separate jurisdiction the same was true here and the police had to be invited into old cambridgeshire to catch criminals of course they never were so thieves would steal things out here in the city of london rush into old cambridgeshire nip for a pint in pub number one police couldn't do anything about it so pub number one built originally in 1546 although they had a fire that's been rebuilt since is wonderful uh, for a number of reasons First of all, they have the preserved remains of the cherry tree that Queen Elizabeth I once danced around in the pub itself. I mean, that is pretty stunning. 1546, that speaks volumes too. But also, it, it is London's most hidden pub. What I well, mean I, I certainly that, can't see it from where I am. Well, you, no, we're not there yet. Oh, right. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not that hidden. It's not like the, the pub well of requirements from Harry Potter. Um, in, fact, in fact, by that rationale, it would be extremely well hidden in almost every place. By the rationale that you can't yet see it? Correct. Yeah. I don't know whether that makes it hidden. It's like saying the United States of America is now hidden. Yes, it's hid- completely hidden. Yes. It is hidden. It is hidden. Smoke and mirrors. There's a lot more secret London, suddenly. There is, uh, yeah. All the bits that you can't currently see. Yeah. Well, this opens up a realm of possibilities. <laughs> should, we, should we go and see it? Well, that's... And okay, it, it yes. will no longer be hidden. <laughs> A lovely uh, statue there that I don't remember seeing, by the way, that we're walking away from, which is uh, Albert, Prince Consort, cheer- cheerily raising his hat to people leaving the city. Yes, and, and he's on a horse, of course, and the horse has how many legs raised? The horse has one leg up. Now, I've heard this, I don't know whether it's a myth or it's an actual code, but if you see a, an equine statue of a horse with one leg up, then the, the rider of the horse died in a certain way. And if um, two legs are up, then the rider of the horse died in a separate way, possibly in battle. And if the horse is upside down, it's the horse that died. Something like that. Now, I made that last bit up. If the horse is upside down, that's because it raised all four legs. Yes, and the horse is indeed dead too. We're now in Cambridgeshire, which is a surprising development. It's lovely in Cambridgeshire this morning. Less bucolic than I imagined. So, imagine you were now with a group of people, 20 people, and um, it was kind of dusk in London of an evening. You're wandering along and... um, not expecting where the first pub is. And then we just... Well, this, down this, this well, it won't surprise you to know this is all about jewellers and we're now walking through a very innocuous archway. Above it, the oldie mitre established 1546 and a fuller sign. And that's pretty much uh, Although, all, the clue, yeah. all, all the clues you get. But we do need to talk about the word ye, I think, because it does appear in a lot of pub names and ye was never pronounced ye. It's a modern affectation to pronounce it as a Y. Y was a way of saying TH, so it was the. Um, so when we say ye, they never said ye back then. So back in the 17th century, they're laughing their heads off at us. <laughs> and into a narrow courtyard, open at the other end, I see. So that makes it an alleyway, not a courtyard. And the old ye, the, the oldie, uh, no, that feels wrong. Even, even gonna... oldie was old. Not oldie. Ye oldie mitre, as it is definitely called, is a tan-coloured building with uh, lots of wood and tiny little windows and 
huge barrels outside. It's, it's a glorious place. It's a glorious place. It's a glorious place. It is. And up until recently, my son was, was barman here, which, um, which made it even more glorious. Not that I got three pints at all, but... Um, it's just, there were two, there were two <laughs> Did bars. Did he gloriously right? get removed from his role when they discovered... <laughs> no, he no, longer, he no longer works there. But they've got, they've got the two bars here. Um, it's just... It's tucked away, off the beaten track, down an alleyway. It's not on any road anywhere. The pub is in the middle of an alleyway. I mean, how, how beautiful is that already? Um, a set of preserved remains of the cherry tree that Queen Elizabeth I danced around, which is in the first bar. As you go in that door, you, um, you can see, you look around, it's got the trunk of the, of the cherry tree that they've, that they've preserved. Um, it's just a, a, a wonderful, small, medieval pub, the kind of pubs that, that you long for in winter with a, with a blazing fire and, uh, and a pork pie. I should think, though, with that sort of size in a place so populous, this must be a thronging pub. Well, you look at this alleyway, um, and obviously it's empty right now, but you imagine coming down here on a Friday evening with, with 20 people on a tour, um, this entire alleyway in from from top to bottom, and the pub itself, both bars and upstairs too, are, are you know, heaving, heaving people, because it's a very, very small pub. And, you know, Friday night, um, people, you know, have a drink after work and uh, and then they're open it. And so we arrive here, this is pub number one, we'll arrive here about ten past, quarter past seven, typically, and, yeah, it's absolutely rammed. Well, with the inside track, as you have, what's the, the sweet spot? When's a good time to find a spot here? Uh, nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Within the pub. Oh, I see. Um, oh, I say b- the best time, really, is between the lunch rush and the dinner rush. I say dinner rush. Dinner rush starts as soon as people kick out of work and run till about 10. So, but if, if you want to come in here and, and, and get a seat and enjoy it in, in, the, in, in what's called the closet, which is the beautiful room off of the second bar, uh, it's very rare to get a seat there, um, to come and enjoy that if you if you come in either very very early 11 o'clock when they open or you come in after say one o'clock and before five they're wonderful well we begin our journey towards the next stop on today's pub tour absolutely okay so we're going, going out of the other end of the alleyway the bottom of this alleyway and turn left are we now leaving cambridgeshire no no we're walking further and deeper into cambridgeshire yes get your wellies on now this is a different prospect altogether. The buildings here look maybe Georgian in style to me. Very, very formal. Prim, even. Yeah, and uh, it's a private road. It's uh, kind of expensive offices, really. Nice cars. And uh, uh, here we have St. Ethelreda's Church, which I'm going to stop and talk about. This is the first stop after, after pub number one. Well, it's a, it's a big old place, and it's, it kind of creeps up on you, doesn't it? In that it was hidden and you hadn't known about it. It's another of these hidden churches, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's um, St Paul's one. That's hidden, and yeah, well, yeah, although well, we, well, as soon as we see it, it'll it'll it will hove into view. I, I'm imagining. I think my head's swimming with this new concept. <laughs> it's, it is bizarre, but uh, we'll we'll go with it. So this is St Ethelreda's. It's the oldest Catholic church in England. So something to be said it's the 13th 13th century crypt down here you can hire this out for private parties the crypt is um absolutely stunning saint ethelreda herself she was she was a 13th century east anglian warrior princess okay she, exactly like xena okay don't spoil it for me she had three sisters ethelreda she uh ethelberger withberger and my personal favorite sexberger Mm, delicious ethel burger uh, well it's everything it's all got all your main food groups everything you need from a wonderful night in about being a lot less meaty than her sisters she she rose to become queen 
of that particular region. And it's said that when she died, like Anne Widdicombe, her body lay... Now, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, before... <laughs> Can I just vet we'll this, can I vet this joke before we get, get, whisper uh, it in I'll my cut that bit whisper out. it in my ear? But I'll miss that listener. Bit. There's no way we can include that one. I don't think so. <laughs> but anyway, it's said that when she died, her body lay pure and uncorrupted for 450 years. So <laughs> I did a clean version. Uh, clean. I said I did the non-libelous version. I should say. Okay. So this is. Um, it's Ely Place and Ely Court. Um, well, come here. We could uh, we could just dig into that. So, so in the 1700s, her body was still around, and they're looking fine. Yeah, I think that's what's meant by pure and uncorrupted. S- says a who? Um, I says the church elders. Oh, them. Yes. Mm. I'll, I'll leave it up to you to decide um, how valid and uh, and real the information is. Um, so, what else? It's um, one of only two buildings in London that date back to the reign of Edward I. So what was Edward I? 1272, 1307, something like that. The only church in London to have reverted back to the old faith, the old faith being, being Catholicism, of course, since the Reformation, so Protestant became Catholic. Um, ah, now is that why they've got the uh, randomised stained glass windows? Because I've heard about this with, I think it's Winchester Cathedral, where during the Reformation they knocked all the stained glass out and locals hid the stained glass. And when they went to replace it all, they couldn't remember the order for it, so it you ended up so with this kind of crazy paving thing. I don't know. I don't know. Well, th- this window down here is clearly just mm. not telling a story, unless, of course, unless of course it's kind of telling the story of Pablo Picasso's version of, of the Bible, because it look, does look kind of in, rather cubist. Um, I think you pick out a, an, a bird in that top window, but these ones do, uh, particularly seen from the inside. It's very different from the outside. But, um, yeah, I suppose if they depicted scenes of a Catholic nature, they were... They were taken down rather rapidly and, um, and preserved. So, uh, so here we are in Ely Place. Um, this would be the place where, traditionally, you'd come to get the finest strawberries. So, um, you go back you know, 300, 400, 500 years ago, it was all strawberry fields in Shakespeare's Rich II. The uh, Duke of Gloucester, I think it is, says to the Bishop of Ely, when I was last in Hoban, I saw good strawberries in your garden there. I do beseech you, send for some of them. And, they, and so they beseeched, and so they were sought after. And every year they have a, they have a strawberry fair here. The, the pub brings out its beer, the church opens its crypt for people to wander through, and through there, which is Bleeding Heart Yard, Lady Elizabeth Hatton went out dancing one night, 16, 1600s. Uh, she never returned. Her body was found ripped limb from limb and are still beating Bleeding Heart there on the road, which is why it's Bleeding Heart through there. They come out and they sell strawberries and, uh, and there's kind of street games and everything. And uh, it's June every year, they have a beer, fe- a beer festival, rather a strawberry festival here, strawberry fair. There's a, an interesting termination to this street, which is entirely blocking the end of it. A 20 or 30, well, 30 foot high uh, brown brick wall with three large closed off arches in it. it. It almost looks like railway arches that have been filled in, but that's clearly not what it was. It, it does look that way, and, and I thought that at one point, but yeah, clearly it's not. Um, um, but we are in the area, are we not? Of um, Well, are we not? We are. Of Hoban Viaduct, where the. Um, the height changes, and so they kind of adjusted for it, just 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 around the back of here, where, where Hoban Viaduct is. Um, but that black gate that stands in the the, the leftmost arch um, is the gate through to Bleeding Heart Yard. Well, I suspect we're going to be going the other way as we uh, move we, to our next. We are spot. not going. Yeah, we're not going through the wall. No, it's <laughs> just a platform nine and three quarters. We're heading out of Old Cambridge, we're back to the City of London now. 
ahead of us, uh, reaching up into the sky. Three cranes pulling together uh, yet another signature skyscraper of some sort. And an interesting fact is that there are now more cranes in London than there are in the rest of the country combined. So um, is that is it signs of new shoots? I don't know. It says to me that business is doing very well. So I mean, yeah, the new shoots of recovery, mm. which is about business is doing very well, but uh, um, hopefully they'll trickle down to help people do well. Who knows? Oh, are we not doing trickle up? Trickle, trickle, how does that work? Trickle up? Trickle up. Which is a kind of a three-coloured broad flag is no, it, how you learn French isn't it no trickle up is uh, we give them our money yes I think that seems to be the case trickle down hasn't really worked at all has it rich people will feed us scraps from their table um, yes there's the, the lie within austerity meanwhile it's a banker's trick meanwhile we're on Charterhouse Street uh, if we were to head down there and you can see the kind of pale green domes rising in the distance of Smithfield Meat Market there's been a meat market on that site for well, just over a thousand years of present buildings of Victorian and there are, there are all kinds of amazing uh, pubs in and around Smithfield some of them licensed to open early for the meat market workers so you can get, go and get a pint 8 o'clock in the morning um, yeah, I used, to, I used to frequent one of those. I used to do an overnight job, and I went into one of those on a regular basis. And very often you'd have somebody come in from the, uh, the meat market with a, a full dead animal slung over their shoulder and blood all over their apparel. It was an otherworldly experience. Was it a very narrow pub? Uh, I think it might have been called the Fox. but Fox I'm, and Anchor. Yeah. Yeah, that's on my Newson Tanker Tour, another tour that goes around Smithfield and Clerkenwell. That's the pub that's licensed to open, to open early. And they have the finest English breakfast, full English, I have ever had in my entire life. Yeah, yeah, I can vouch for that. Yeah. It's, it's, they source it from two metres away in the meat market, of course. But we're not, we're not heading down there. We're heading further, uh, further west now. Well, now, this brings us face-to-face again with the fellow on the horse. And the glazed curve of a very elegant 33 Hoban. It's Sainsbury's headquarters. Oh, is it really? It is. No, I don't believe you. There's no trolleys outside. Um, it's, the, it's the administrative headquarters as opposed to the, the supermarket headquarters. Oh, I, I assume all the same they're pushing their files around in uh, trolleys with little infants in the front, no? I, I think they do. I think they do. So we're walking back up High Hoban and... Um, so Hoban, many people pronounce as Holborn, but um, is, is the jury's still out on that. Is it, is it Holborn, is it Holborn, is it Hoborn or Hoban? So I, I prefer Hoban. Do you know where the name comes I won't from? pronounce the L, I just won't. <laughs> well, we won't make you. It's one of my things. It's like people who say pin interest instead of Pinterest. It's just, just one of those annoying things. I find pin number annoying as a phrase. Um, yeah, the, in that it's tautological. Precisely so. Yes. Personal identification number number. Now we've got the Inn of Court pub on the other side of the street there. Very floral. Um, recently refurbished. Um, fullest pub up until about three months ago was known as the Melton Mowbray, which only other claim to fame is pork pies, I believe. But uh, yeah, it was the Melton Mowbray. Now it's the Inn of Court. Past uh, Furnival Street to our left. Now, is this is this a normal uh, part of your tour that you go back down there and then come back to the same place again? I always imagine tours being uh, circuitous in some way. Um, it's circuitous so far. Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, I suppose that is odd, but I mean, I I, I don't want to miss out that pub. Um, and it was a natural pub number one. 
and so yeah we are we have looped back and people uh, at this point as we approach chancery lane tube station for the second time people's anxious faces as i drop them off here and say thank you very much for coming <laughs> um, but no we are we are going beyond to pub number two but yes that one is on a, a on a little loop if you like so in terms of just deciding which pubs belong with which uh, how do you go about making those sort of selections or is it a little bit deciding which arbitrary? pubs go on which tour hmm. okay so when i'm researching a new tour which is because a new area of london so i've got eight different tours i ask people i do some research find maybe a dozen of the finest pubs in that whole area check them all out and pick the best ones and sometimes it works out well there's, there's a great pub over there but it's just too far away so sometimes there's a great pub but then there's no history along the route sometimes it's a fantastic route but there's no pubs on it and it, it's quite difficult to try and pick out maybe the top five or six pubs in within walking distance within a given area but um, yeah not normally it works out so sorry, but eight different tours so it must be doing something rather well so i was wondering if they, the, the tours themselves are named uh, in particular ways i wondered if there was yeah. if you'd somehow had to stitch together thematic connections between the oh yeah so all my tours uh, first of all they sound like pubs so this is the drag hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I have other pub tours, the Suit and Flute, the Noose and Tankard, the Jar and Marbles, the Strand and Goblet. So each pub tour, first of all, sounds like a pub, the pub tour name. It's got one thing you can drink out of. So in this case, a flagon, earthenware container, um, and one thing that's historical about the area. So the dragon and flagon. Actually, the dragon and flagon comes originally from a... What's his name? Danny Kay. Danny Kay film, the American knight in the court of King Arthur. Uh, so the, so the, the dragon and the flagon is the pestle with the vessel. That one it might not ring yet. So my, la- the, my next one I'm doing is the chalice and palace, which also comes from the Danny. So I've, so I've, st- I've borrowed and stolen from Danny Kay. But that was a wonderful scene where they've got all these goblets and cups on, on the table. And yeah, it's the vessel is the, the rue that is true etc etc yeah before we arrive at our next destination I think we're going to throw a word from our sponsor before you listener and see what you think of it we have teamed up with audible.co.uk to offer you a free audiobook of your choice 
All you have to do is register for one month free trial to claim your free audiobook. There are over 150,000 to choose from. The 30-day free trial means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel in the trial period. And there's more good news. If you trialed the service over 12 months ago, the good people at Audible are giving you a chance to get your hands on another audiobook for free. So sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash Londonist. Londonist Out Loud is free every week. You can support the show and Londonist via the Londonist shop, where you'll find excellent gift ideas, including London postcard t-shirts, the secrets of the tube DVD, chunky logo mugs, tote bags, hoodies, the Inspector Sands tea, and the Londonist Oyster card holder. Treat yourself, support us, and share your love of London at londonist.com slash shop. You're listening to Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe, and with me is Vic Norman. He is a London pub tour uh, guide. Amongst how many? Amongst how many pub tour guides? Yes, do you run into other pub tours as you go about your business? Oh, the turf wars are brutal. Uh, no, yeah, there, are, there are other companies that do um, run London pub tours. There are you know, the, the famous big London walk companies who, amongst the hundreds of different walks they've got, a couple of them are pub tours, and then there are people who are, have dedicated things that, that I do. There are even pub tour companies that, that take a group of people, and I've seen them, and they, and they say, that's a great pub, go and have a look at that, and now we'll move on. What is the point of that? You know, If you're going to have a pub tour, surely you should experience going in and... and possibly enjoying a pint of finest ale well that that certainly works as a a client of yours for this podcast though we're going to do the dry version simply because it's going to turn a bit Derek and Clive I suspect if we start tippling along the way yeah then it's 10 o'clock in the morning (laughs) it's probably a mercy Uh, but we are stopped uh, on high hope and why are we here Um, not why are we here in the bigger sense though what? We haven't got time. Why are we here? As in life, the universe, and everything? Or not, not, not that, that one. Not that. Why are we here? We're doing, we're doing a pub tour podcast, Quentin. No, not that one either. Not that one. Okay. So I'm about to introduce to you pub number two. Which, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. That was that the one. reason. A good. We got there in the end. Um, which is, as I always say, people say, "What's the best pub in London?" I say, "I don't know what the best is, but my favourite is this pub. My favourite pub anywhere is this pub, the City of York on High Holborn. Why is it my favourite? First of all, when they built this pub. The craftsmen, the tradespeople who built this pub, their intended aim was to build the most idyllic pub. That was their aim, and I think that they succeeded. It should really have been the pub from Harry Potter um, when you go in. Is that magical? Uh, it wasn't, but I did think of writing off to Universal Studios at one point. Uh, they used to have the record for having the longest bar in England. That record has now been taken I think it's by Leeds University. I know it's a university uh, in the north of England. I think it's Leeds. Um, the vats, the barrels that you'll see above the bar, all along the length of that bar, the largest of them contained a thousand gallons of wine, and they drained them all in the Blitz. And the Germans are coming, save the wine! Those the English wartime priorities, clearly. Um, well, can, can you give us a, a visual on a thousand gallons of wine? What would that look like? Yeah, easily big. Well, Very we've, big. We've all got a clear picture. So, of that. Um, so the largest barrel you could. You could stand in it. I mean, you could, I mean, you're a tall man. You, you could stand in it, Quentin, and still be covered in wine. Yeah, you need a possibly uh, a snorkel and a bikini, but apart from that, you're, you're sorted, I think. Good to go. But, I mean, if that wasn't enough for you, it's also a Samuel Smith's pub. I don't know what you or your listeners know about Samuel Smith's. It's a, a brewery um, in Tadcastle in Yorkshire, 15, 20 miles from York. Uh, they have 35 pubs in London. 
And this, this is where you go to get a pint that's cheaper and a good quality pint. Well, yes and no. I'm going to say yes because, yeah, generally the, the, the beer on tap there is cheaper than, than, uh, than other places. But, and a lot of people criticise Samuel Smith for their beer on tap, but what they don't necessarily know is their bottled beer selection. So let me tell you a bit about Samuel Smith's model. In the, um, They specialise in traditional historic buildings. Of the, this is one of the two Samuel Smith pubs uh, on, our, on our tours today. Everything that you buy in a Samuel Smith pub is their own. You can buy nothing branded from the from the crisps and nuts to the cola and lemonade to the brandy scotch rum, whatever it is, it's all Samuel Smith's. They've banned music and all screens from every single one of their pubs, believing that pubs are about talking, laughing, drinking. Kind of agree with them. Mm. Their beers, they have the only organic strawberry beer in the entire country. They also have cherry, organic cherry, raspberry and apricot. I wouldn't bother so much with the apricot. They're the finest chocolate beer I've ever had. Chocolate stout. They do a beautiful porter, traditional East London rich malty drink um, called a taddy porter. The finest wheat beer on draft. They won the national award for stouts with their oatmeal stout and on and on it goes. And um, that's Samuel Smith's for you. Well, here we go. The city of York. Another perilous spelling here. City spelled C-I-T-T-I-E. Beer brewed at Yorkshire's oldest brewery. Yeah, let's... Um, and through well, we go. Have a quick look. Last night's empty still in evidence. And you feel you're stepping into Victoriana here. The lights aren't on yet, so it's still all a bit gloomy. We're peeking around the corner here. Well, this is quite something. The vats loom over us. Up above, we have a beamed wooden ceiling, a vaulted ceiling. And, uh, it, well, this is like stepping back in time in the most positive of ways. It's, it's absolutely magical. You, I, I often, you know, so I'm leading 20 people in here, I'll walk in, I'll stop, I'll turn around and watch their, watch their mouths drop to the floor as they, they appreciate the beauty of this. But it really, I've been in this pub thousands and thousands of times and still, still it has the capacity to just absolutely stun and impress. It's beautiful. And... Through uh, a window here, we can see what may be a dining room or a, a private area, a saloon bar, perhaps. Yeah, I, was Do I mean a lounge bar. Yeah, yeah, I think we could call it lounge bars. Sofas and, and armchairs to kind of sit back and relax in. Um, if you're tired of the main bar, there's something rather at odds there, isn't there? That that pub in particular is a nighttime pub. Um, what makes it a nighttime pub, in your opinion? Well, the, the disconnect between what's going on in there and then suddenly you come out into the daytime and you think, oh, it's actually daytime. But that, I think, is what is wonderful about pubs in general and in particular great London pubs, in that um, you're out here in, the, in your busy working day. People are milling around, they're rushing, they've got their heads down, as, as they do in big cities, got to heading off as quickly as they can to wherever they're going. And you walk into a pub and it's, it's a different world. It's a, it's a slower world. It's a world of beauty and beer and you can relax. It's like when I was a child going into the cinema, you go to the cinema in the daytime and you totally blown away and transported to another place and then you come out into the bright sunlight after being in a dark cinema and you're reminded that the world is, um, is a harsher place. Well, up high hope when we go. We're going to cross the road now. Getting people across the road safely, of course, being one of a tour guide's central responsibilities uh, in your case your flock is uh, worse for wear well yeah I said earlier that there are pub tour companies that um, point out pubs to you but they don't go in and have a drink and I think I think the main reason for that is that um, 
if they're guiding people around, as, as I do, who have had a few drinks, that they worry about the, um, the possible litigation if somebody wanders off into the road by accident and gets run over. But, I've, you know, I've, I've never had a problem. I always tell people, look, you know, we will be crossing roads. You will be drinking alcohol. You're responsible. I will do my best, but you're responsible for your own safety. Don't just wander off into a road thinking that I'm going to guide you to the promised land. Um, and, you know, every, every now and then you get somebody who's drunk a few and tries to run across the road. But, I've, you know, there have never been single fatality. Honest. I hope that's on your website. <laughs> <laughs> no fatalities so yeah, far. Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a record I'm proud of. You can have a fatality counter in the bottom right. Corner. I do, and it's stayed, it's stayed resolutely at zero. It's something I'm very proud of, that statistic. So this is Chancery Lane. Started off at Chancery Lane tube station. This is Chancery Lane proper. And if you imagine walking down here... Um, and it was dusk you come to these beautiful buildings it's like stepping back in time on our left we have the London Silver Vaults doesn't look that much from the street but um, we have two subterranean bat cave levels containing the world's largest collection of retail antique silver who does all that silver belong to? the London Silver Vaults they sell it and then if you buy it then it belongs to you Oh, so they're not, they're not holding it in storage then? Because like, we, we came through Hatton Garden where they're storing or failing to store things for other people. It's not storing as well as they used to, uh, Diamonds. But They've gone into distribution. They have gone into distribution, yes. They're, they're, they're democratising um, the sale of diamonds. OK, so this here is uh, Lincoln's Inn Fields, home to London's largest public square. If we walk through these gates uh, and around, come to London's large, largest public square, Lincoln Inn, Lincoln's Inn Fields. It used to be Orby Fields and... Uh, lots of um, solicitors' offices now because this is the heart of legal London, Chancery Lane and around here. Uh, and if you look up um, to the stacks of chimneys, and um, it's particularly good on, on, on a podcast, obviously. They'll, they'll um, be Tudor, I'd say. They, they, they do look like that. So, so they're reminiscent, if you like, of the chimneys at Hampton Court Palace, and, which I would say were the finest chimneys in London. Not that I'm running the risk of deteriorating this podcast into an exceptionally sad sad and pathetic talk about chimneys but um, each well, nothing, one nothing wrong with a fine chimney no no I agree I, I love a stack and each 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 one of those chimneys in the stack is carved slightly differently uh, it's absolutely beautiful so the law society's down here there's uh, Lincoln's in fields it's, uh, Chancery Lane is, is, is a beautiful place to be in between pubs well, I'm going to have to question your, uh, your judgement here you, you called attention to the chimneys I did and then, and then dissed the chimneys did I diss the chimneys? You, did, you, you, you even dissed looking at chimneys. No, I, I, what, what I was attempting to convey here was that my pub tours are slightly more fun than a two-hour podcast on chimneys. Slightly. Well, I thought we'd stop here and talk about something else, first of all, before we talk about oh, okay. the pub number three, which is, which is a process. So we're standing outside a blue plaque. Of course, it's illegal, illegal for me to walk past the blue plaque being a being a pub tour guide but this is the the blue plaque to John Thurlow who in 1652 yes it is 1652 was Secretary of State uh, lived here Secretary of State in uh, Cromwell's government that's kind of strange time in London's history between uh, 30th of January 1649 when King Charles I somewhat lost his head outside Banqueting House uh, uh, 11 years until his son King Charles II restored the monarchy Uh, he was also Cromwell's spymaster or one of Cromwell's spymasters of course, he needed spy masters because a very fraught time in English history. An interesting thing about Cromwell um, is that he's responsible for the term, 
as far as I believe, warts and all, because he was being, he sat for a court painting once, and uh, Cromwell, he was, he was a warty fellow. I mean, he was practically a toad. Um, and the court painter was doing a kind of a medieval version, I suppose, of what we would now call airbrushing, uh, attempting to paint Cromwell as if he was a human being rather than a toad. Uh, Cromwell nipped around the front, looked at the painting, said, no, no, paint me warts and all. And that's where it comes from. This beautiful building in front of us, the light stone and, and the, the cupulas, uh, or is it cupula? No, cupula sounds good, mini domes, is in fact King's College Library. Well, that's an impressive piece of architecture. Absolutely. No chimneys, so you're, you're okay. Well, no, there must be chimneys, mustn't there? Are you sorry now that there are no chimneys to look at? Are you, are you beginning to feel their uh, absence? I'm, I'm not sorry that there are no chimneys to look at, but I think, it, I think in the building, how would they have heated it? Whether they wouldn't have removed the chimneys. What are those things up there? They're chimneys. I think you're into chimneys. Well, you like a bit of chimney, don't you? I, I confess. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come out here on the Londonist podcast and admit it to, to the nation. I, I do fancy a chimney. I, I sort of feel we need to do a cold finish to the episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting one, is it? I mean, I've no idea whether it's on, uh, as interesting on the inside, but this seems um, it is interesting. A, bit, a little bit contradictory. We're uh, on the opposite corner to the library here, the Knights Templar Free House, and it's mm-hmm. this sort of colonnaded building that you would never think is a, a pub. It might certainly have been converted into a bar of some sort. What, what's this place about? Uh, it's called the Knights Templar. Um, it's a beautiful old building. It was originally a pub, I don't believe. Oh, there we, um, can, we can get a bit of a, a look in uh, here. Some People chandeliers. Ask me, well, why don't we stop here on the tour? And I tell them because the next pub we're going to is even more stunning and even more amazing than this pub. But it's called the Knights Templar, of course, because we're about to enter into Templar land, Templar territory. So this is Carey Street. Um, I was talking about the oldest pub in, in London, or the, the, the clever money is in the oldest pub. If you look up ahead there on the right hand side, the sign of the, the seven stars um, opposite here, which is the Royal Courts of Justice, is you know, seven stars on Carey Street. Uh, it looks like a little French bistro inside. It's run by, run by a cat. Well, the cat technically owns the pub. I've forgotten the name of the cat. What, what on earth are you um, talking about? No, it's, the cat's called, is it Tom Payne? Um, the original cat died. It's run by a woman called Roxette or Roxanne. Roxanne, that's it. Uh, it's quite um, eccentric lady who runs the Seven Stars, and she has a cat. The cat practically owns it. The cat wears a kind of ruffled collar. It's famous. Great herring in there. When you say the cat owns the pub... What do you mean? I don't mean in a legal sense. Okay. That kind of administers everything, although maybe it has a hand in the herring selection. Poor, poor. However... Poor in the sense. Hmm? A poor. A poor. Oh, yes. No, I do know a little bit about cats. Yes, they do have paws, yes. Um, I do believe it's responsible for the herring selection, but um, it just wanders around. The cat's like that, you know, wandering around and just sits where it wants, and and it's, it's, it's iconic. Can we have a little squint at the place itself? We can. The buildings uh, along this street are noted by it might just be by comparison, but I think it's fair to call them a little bit dumpy. The doors kind of low, the buildings overall squat. We've got Legastat here on the corner. That does look like the sort of thing that uh, could easily have been removed by now. Not because I wish ill against Legastat, but, or Legastat, oh, that's what they are. They make copies yes, for legal folk. Yes, they do. It's being the heart of legal London, of course. 
And there we go, the seven stars. Yes. Which I do believe the clever money is on, as I said, for it being the oldest pub in in London. Now, what's the? How do you go about uh, verifying that sort of thing? Do you do you bother, or do you? Have, there must be some sort of process well, you go through. As I said, the jury is still out, and so you do a lot of research. And some people say, "Well, we're the oldest, and well, we've had a license the longest, or um, we've been on this site for the longest." But as I said, you know, pub names change. Um, if it was destroyed in a fire and rebuilt, is it the same pub? If it went out of business for ten years and then uh, came back into being a pub. Does that count? Well, my, uh, yeah, I, what I, counts? I understand that, and those questions seem almost philosophical. But what I, I wondered is, if somebody says, "Well, we've had our license since date X," do you then go and try and validate that claim? Well, no, <clears throat> well but the, the oldest, because everybody's going to say they've already, got the oldest pub in London, aren't they? I don't know if it would be easy to claim that, but, but I suppose because historical documents have been lost, etc., that it's difficult. I mean, the, we're already established where the oldest licensed premises are. Um, but licensed premises aren't necessarily the same as it being the oldest pub because you may have had a pub without a license. Um, you may have lost your license, etc. So licenses were very, uh, very precious things to, to have a license, which is why pubs, a lot of pub history is still around where many buildings have been destroyed. But the White Hart on Drury Lane uh, at least claims to be the oldest licensed premises, and there's nobody. Uh, as far as I know, contending that claim. Mm. Not necessarily the best pub or the oldest, but that there's been a pub on that site with that name conta- uh, possessing a licence. We are about to emerge on a larger street. It looks as though uh, somebody has thrown out all their shredding uh, out of the window. The place is covered in a confetti of presumably legal documents. Uh, it's a veritable ticker tape. Here we go, this is... Now, this is this is a beautiful object in the middle of the street just here. Can we do we have what? Are you going to ask me what it is? Well, is this Temple Bar or have I made that up? You haven't made it up. It is indeed Temple Bar. So here we are standing on the edge of two cities again. Again, so with the we're facing the city of London and behind us the city of Westminster. Uh, this is Temple Bar. This is where you would have stopped originally to have paid your customs, your taxes before entering the walled city of London, a mile further east of here at Ludgate. Ludgate being one of the seven ancient gates of the walled city of London. All the gates are gone now. Uh, the original Temple Bar would have spanned here at Fleet Street, Stroke the Strand. You can still see it if you go up by St Paul's. It's um, As you approach St Paul's on your left, I forget the name of the square now, um, but it's the entrance to that square. It's, it stood in St Theobald's Park in Hertfordshire for many, many years. But they brought it, brought it back to London. It stands next to... Um, next to St Paul's on the left of St Paul's was the original Temple Bar which is a kind of arched way with um, a couple of arches for, for traffic span, span here so this here we are now this is outside a London's most impressive Gothic building the Royal Courts of Justice uh, if we just, look west just uh, before, before we uh, skip on actually yeah. uh, could, could you paint a word picture of uh, the Temple Bar as it, uh, as it stands as it here now. before us, yeah. Okay, so uh, it, it stands on Traffic Island in the middle of the, the boundary between Fleet Street and the Strand. Um, it's a ornate, elaborate pillar. On one side you have, as we can see from here, is, is, is Prince Albert, uh, consort to Victoria. On the other side is Victoria. Uh, atop the, the column is London's most impressive dragon, or griffin, depending on your viewpoint. Um, 
beautiful um, black dragon at Temple Bar, re- representing, as I say, the entrance to, to the city of London. <clears throat> so if we look west there, uh, it's the Strand, and the Strand continues past Oldwich onto Trafalgar Square. That is the Church of St. Clement Danes, rising there at Oldwich. Now, St. Clement Danes is interesting for a, a, couple, of, a couple of reasons. First of all, it's the, kind of the lead church, the centre church for the Royal Air Force. Um, and also it's one of two churches that are fighting an unholy battle in that both St. Clement's churches claim to be the St. Clement's of Oranges and Lemons fame. Now, when I take a tour of Americans and I start talking the story, they're all looking around nervously and they have no idea what I'm talking about. But we, of course, know that Oranges and Lemons said that, um, the bells of St. Clement's, the, the nursery rhyme that we sang as children or to our children... Um, and every hour they will ring out oranges and lemons here at St. Clement's, Clement's, uh, Clement's St. Clement Danes here at Aldwych. Uh, the other church that, that is fighting this battle is St. Clement's East Cheap. Now, the clever money is, is on them and not on St. Clement Danes. And so temp- why is it called Temple Bar? So all of the area south of here to the river was Temple land, Temple territory. It's a mystical band of warrior knights, uh, ostensibly protecting pilgrims on the road to Jerusalem, yes. But um, meanwhile, they were gathering a lot of land, a lot of power, a lot of money. So much so, by the year 1312, uh, King was getting nervous, Pope was getting a bit rattled. They disbanded the Knights Templar, gave all of their land and all of their possessions to another order, the Knights Hospitaller of St. John, who we know today as St. John's Ambulance, basically. Uh, They, in turn, leased all of their land to lawyers which is why this area is legal London and why two of the inns of court if you want to practice as a barrister in England and Wales or be affiliated internationally you belong to one of the four inns of court uh, they are Gray's Inn, Lincoln's Inn which are further north of here and you have Inner Temple and Middle Temple which are down, which are down here and the famous Temple Church um, off Fleet Street made famous by the Da Vinci Code is just a little way off, off here uh, anyway we're about to go to pub number three which ends the and this this segment this section of the tour pub number three was built in 1888 replaced two former pubs that stood on this site to make way for the law courts branch of the bank of england it's built in 1888 right next to here to where we are the royal courts of justice um well that's that's something i didn't know that the bank of england had branches yeah they had a, yeah exactly they had, they had, a, they had a, le- a legal side a law courts branch that and that lasted until 1975 when the bank of england in, in its business decided they no longer needed such a branch and so they, they closed it down it stayed empty for 20 years until the brewery in this case Fuller's Chiswick uh, London Brewery uh, bought the building and opened and spent some years restoring it uh, however it's a listed building and uh, they couldn't change very much at all about it. all they could do was put a bar in the middle the clock in there is forever stopped at 10 minutes past 12 the time of the last financial transactions done in that branch um also, it stands right in the middle of two famous buildings in London history. One, the barbershop, owned by uh, Sweeney Todd, Demon Barber of Fleet Street, and the other, the pie shop, owned by his lover, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Lovett. And so they'd come into Sweeney, a little bit off the sides, please, Sweeney. Um, and Sweeney said, I think I could do a bit more for you than that. And Sweeney would take them to the tunnels and vaults underneath this building. Uh, they still exist. Chop them into tiny pieces take them to Mrs. Lovett where she would make them into the most delicious pies this course this story is of course completely fictional don't tell the Americans they love that kind of thing anyway this pub the old bank of England is by far the most beautiful pub in London let's go and see so this way to the old bank beer garden says one of the pub signs and below it Mrs. Lovett's lair Uh, yet another example of London 
seeming to love uh, its uh, gruesome legends. They do. Um, so, yeah, good couple of grisly stories so far today. But, uh, so let, let's talk about the interior of this pub. Well, it's just gorgeously ornate. 20, 30-foot ceilings, uh, gold leaf on the ceilings, um, the, 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 the rich velvety curtains you know, that drop 20 feet, the golden chandeliers, the staircase leading up to uh, the second floor where you could overlook the entire bar, uh, rich paintings on the wall, it's the marble, it's just absolutely glorious. How often do you pop into this place for a pint yourself? Um, I don't come up here, up here just for a pint myself, but I, this tour, the tour that we're doing, is probably the most popular out of all my eight different London pub tours and so you know so I'm in here regularly I know the manager and um, yeah it's just it is just a beautiful place to be well I've got a bunch of questions to ask about your relationship with various with alcohol. With, well with various pubs and with alcohol um, ah. perhaps as we go into the next pub but that's going to be next week uh, because for this week's episode we're going to sign off here and we'll try and tease it a little bit what sort of thing could we expect to look forward to on next week's show well um so next week we're going to three more pubs including the pub that uh was written about in a tale of two cities it's seven floors of beery wonder uh the finest port scratchings in london the bagged port scratchings the only arnivo pub left in london um and more besides for this week oh yes for this week watch uh, this space that, that was the uh, last orders bell and uh, we look forward to getting another round in with you Vic Norman thanks very much thank you likewise my heart aches for some far off place and that's all for this week thanks for this week to my guest Vic Norman thanks to to Bernie Barkley and Mark Barr theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea and Quentin Wolf. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.